Welcome to Musicians vs. the World, the podcast where we explore aspects of music and musician life that may not have been covered in music school. I am your host, Christine Smith. I hope all of our U.S. listeners had a great Thanksgiving holiday. We here at Musicians vs. the World certainly did, and after our week off, we're now excited to share our newest episode with you. My guest today is composer, producer, and songwriter Kyle Rodriguez. He's here to share his thoughts on building a career as a composer in the film industry through non-traditional paths and breaking down barriers for others like himself. We also get to hear some great stories about gear, analog versus digital music production, and some tips on how to become a good composer's assistant. Kyle Rodriguez is a film composer, producer, and songwriter based in Los Angeles. Using a unique collection of bespoke instruments, toys, and tape machines, Kyle writes music that combines the orchestra with modern production and analog circuits. His work can be heard on projects across networks including Apple TV+, Netflix, Hulu, Nickelodeon, and Adult Swim. Most recently, Kyle scored Apple TV Plus's Jane, a live-action CGI animation blended adventure series inspired by the works of Dr. Jane Goodall. He also worked on Paramount Plus's highly anticipated docuseries, The Family Stallone, which will give audiences a rare glimpse into the off-camera life of action movie star Sylvester Stallone. As a composer and a child of Latino immigrants, Kyle is dedicated to removing the barriers to entry for other people of color pursuing composition and strives to create opportunities for young musicians hoping to enter the film industry. He currently resides in Northeast Los Angeles, where he continues to DJ and produce artists when he's not on a deadline. So Kyle, thank you so much for being here and welcome oh to Musicians vs. the God. World. Bios are so embarrassing. That's, <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so earnest and like, yeah, that's that's very funny. But thank you so much for having me. It's so good to meet you. <laughs> it's great to meet you. I'm so, <laughs> so excited to talk with you about all these things. I'm so interested in the way that you compose music. You've got such yeah. a diverse background with DJ and Thanks. toys and tape machines. You want to talk yeah. a little bit about how you use those sort of things to create oh, sure. music? Yeah, well, I... Um, I was always kind of like a tech geek. Like I, 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 for years I thought I wanted to be like a, I wanted to be an editor and, or a, like a, a colorist. And, and it was kind of a thing where like I was a musician on the side, kind of like exploring my own weird interests and taking things apart. And I was always kind of tinkering is what my agent likes to pitch me as a, <laughs> a tinkerer, which, you know, I, th- I, it, I feel like it makes me look like a cobbler, um, <laughs> Uh, like an elf that makes shoes. And, but I, I don't know. I, I was always just like interested in trying to do things the hardest way possible. Like, but like, I, I think there's, there's much easier ways to get ideas across with like plugins and things like that. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, uh, like there's all sorts of techie ways to get around what I do, but I don't know. I've got this, um, it's like a it's like a record factory. So basically, it makes so you can plug in your own source and then make a little vinyl record that sounds real bad. It sounds it's really <laughs> but yeah, but it's it's pretty amazing. It has like a headphone jack essentially, and then you would put a blank vinyl disc onto it, and oh then it, and then it cuts it uh, as it like goes around. So like something like that, I was like, well, that's cool. Like I have to make up some excuse to use that. So like I'll like so so like, I'll make it infinitely hard for myself. And I think for the family Stallone, it was the kind of thing where we were, we were making a lot of beats. Uh, we were looking for texture, uh, but also to have it sound modern and, and not so out of place in in that kind of show. So I was looking for unique ways to, to put things together. And I wrote a song as if I was like a 
60s, like a Motown okay. kind of energy. And then recorded it onto that and then sampled that back into my thing as if I was sampling a record. And then used it as if it was a sample, but that way I didn't have to pay anybody. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I didn't have to do clearance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it is much easier. That's so awesome that you were able to do that. So you were able to take that and tinker with it and then use it to make something actually sound modern. Yeah, yeah. It's just, again, like there are much easier ways to do these things. Yeah, I'm but, sure you know, there's a plug If you plug got in. some time, if you got some time to do it, <laughs> and I don't, <laughs> <Yeah>. but. <laughs> I'm sure there's a plug in somewhere that could do that. But I think that there's oh, something time. really organic about doing it yourself, though. Yeah, it's it's it, it's just fun. And it, and it sounds like something else, for sure. Because at some point when you're doing things yourself like that, um, and I didn't go to school for music. So it's the kind of thing where, especially when I was starting out, and I, I think I've learned more of the rules, but I, I was picking things up and figuring out how to do it in my own little twisted way. Yeah. Like I was getting to the finish line, but you know, if, if any producer looked over my shoulder, they'd be like, Why? that's like a, that's a crazy way to make drums. <laughs> like you don't need to do that. That's, that took, that took forever, man. And they'd be right. But in, I think inherently in the, in the process of doing things wrong and, and just doing things kind of the way that you learned it, it ends up kind of being its own thing. Like it's, it, it, it has its own character. Yeah. Well, I think if you go to school and you get the background, a lot of the, you learn a lot of the theory and you learn a lot of the shortcuts. But mm -hmm. then once you finish school, you end up doing yeah. a lot of experimentation just like you're doing anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, I think I think the shortcuts are there for a reason. The shortcuts are there is because, you know cavemen with their microphones, you know, worked for generations to figure out the best way to record a drum set. So like I respect like the technique, right? Uh, especially when it comes to engineering and things like that. Oh, but yeah. I think like with producing, it gets there's uh young producers are always looking for like, what's the, like, how do you do this the exact way that like this producer did it? Right. And, and it's and uh, I think what's hard is that it is up to interpretation. It is, you know, you do it your own way and you figure it out and whatever gets you there, whatever finishes the song is the way that it's done. And it doesn't right. really matter beyond that. Right. And um, we talked to a lot of musicians and it doesn't matter if they're composers or performers or anything. Yeah, yeah. Everyone talks about finding your own voice. And mm -hmm. if that's the way you find your own voice by your method, then I think that's a fantastic thing. Yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah. I so is that so. a tape machine behind you? Yeah, it's um oh my god, my uh I, I had an ex who wanted to murder me. Uh so we uh <laughs> Okay, that's so, a story. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's, so it's a TAC uh A3340S. It's like from the um, I think it's from the early 70s. It's oh like goodness. a hi-fi kind of like a prosumer reel to reel. And I picked that up in San Bernardino from an estate sale from like clearly kind of a like a hobbyist musician who uh -huh. had sadly passed away. Yeah, I don't think she'll mind telling me. This. I think this is funny. <laughs> so this is during like peak COVID. And um, we like were going up to see her parents and to like go on this kind of family trip. And and it wasn't like we were vaccinated. Like it was at that point. Right. You know? okay. So like that was when everybody felt invincible. Right. You know what I mean? For those yeah. couple months, that like magical, like March to June when we thought it was over. Uh -huh. And uh, it was like kind of during that period and we were going up to see her family. And on the way up to the bay, I saw that this estate sale was happening and they were like practically like giving this thing away. And I'd been like looking for this for like years and years, like something like this. That was a good deal. And I was like, can we please stop? Like, I promise, like, it's good. Like, I'll wear a shoe. And she, it was, she was 
not happy because <laughs> she was like, I can't believe you're making me stop. That's not why we broke up. Good for her. She's she's doing lovely. It's all amicable and fine. But, <laughs> but, but like every little thing in here has like some sort of story, uh, but not all of them are connected to exes, which rocks. Oh, that's good. Which is good. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so now have you actually used that machine in it, any of your scores yet? Oh, yeah. It sounds so good. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's... um. Uh, I, honestly, like I'm using it a lot for drums. Like it, okay. I, I almost use it as a piece of outboard where I'll have maybe some drums that I like some sound design stuff going on in the computer. I'll send it out of the computer into the tape machine and then back in, not necessarily recording onto the tape because then, you know, if you know anything about tape, it, it moves everything. And then suddenly you're just how you're like, you're spending so much time worrying about timing and getting it to sit right where it was. Uh, but instead I'm kind of using these, like the preamps and the, the circuits on board to give it a little bit of like, you know, gotcha. a little bit of funk. Gotcha. So you're an analog type of guy then. Analog boy. <laughs> <laughs> Not always. Not always. No, I've, I, I've kind of gone full circle where I was like a big gearhead. And now, I don't know, I think every, every producer, every musician goes through the cycle of like, oh, gear is it, gear isn't it. No, gear is it. And I think like whatever works, like I'm, I'm using plugins, I'm using like it, it like the gear is fun mm-hmm. and it's pretty and it like looks good on zoom, um, which is something which is yeah. real, <laughs> which is a real thing. If you show up to a meeting, big tape machine, people are like, oh, wow, this guy's legit. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah, the gear is ends up not being totally important. Yeah. I got to say plugins are pretty good. Yeah. Now I will say that there are some of my listeners that are more on the performance side, so they don't know the difference between digital and analog. Totally. Do you want to explain a little bit about what it is we're talking about, so that they'll? Yeah, know. yeah. So, like, I don't know. There's all this expensive, overpriced, expensive gear that you know that is also like wildly inefficient and will um and will up your electricity bill a lot. Uh, <laughs> that you can buy. It's and and uh, there are things that count. I like. I think there are microphones out in the world that. Like, I think there's two sides of it. There's like the creative side of like, if like you're, if you're a producer, anything that gets you across the line uh, is okay. But I think there are also like principles in engineering and things like that, that again, exist for a reason. So, um, for, so like digital being the plugins in your computer, you know, not having to buy an audio interface, like being able to just like produce and do things completely digital and, and, and it can sound very, very close. And oh, and analog gear being, you know, the physical keyboards, the uh, analog synths, things like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. The big machines. The, yeah. B- yeah. The big, heavy, expensive things that are always broken when you buy them. <laughs> and so you have to spend a lot of money to get them fixed. And even then, even then they're going to break again. Doesn't matter. It's <laughs> yeah. matter what you do. Well, they're machines. Ugh. So they're machines. They need right. upkeep just like anything, like an instrument or anything. They need love. They, they do. Love. Okay. So I love, I love the way that you're looking at this and the way that you compose and produce. I think it's fantastic. Um, yeah. Jane, that mm. cute children's show is absolutely adorable and completely different from the family Stallone. So what oh, yeah. was your composing? I mean, that's just adventure and it's yeah. different, like different places, different locations. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your approach to that. Cause I would assume it's different. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very different. So, um, Stallone's being like uh very beat driven, very, yeah. you know, it's like drums and guitars and things like that. Uh, uh, Jane's pretty orchestral and, um, 
the the process ends up for the, for that being a lot more straightforward. Like I think mm-hmm. I at first I worked for the demo to get the job. Like I spent like now I have to I probably have to write like twenty minutes every like week and a half or something like that. And I spent um, like three weeks on like eight minutes or something like that because mm-hmm. I was really trying to to find what this thing was going to sound like. I had no idea. I was just like, okay, like maybe it's orchestral, like maybe they don't. And a lot of like a lot of the time when you're starting on jobs, they're always like, we don't want orchestral. Like we want to do something kind of different. And then, mm-hmm. you know, little by little, gradually it's like, well, nothing quite hits the same. <laughs> Go back so to the orchestral. Show, so the, yeah, exactly. So the show is very <laughs> orchestral. Um, I'm, I'm, I try like on, on every, every episode uh, is about an endangered species um, that our protagonist is is running around and trying to save and trying to get everybody to listen to the things that they can do in their everyday life to, um, I think, to to make a huge difference in the environment that these animals exist in. But every episode, I try to use some instrument from the world of of that animal. So for the panda, I've got this. Uh, it's an instrument called a gujong. It's like eight feet long. It's enormous. Um, it's like it's a Chinese zither. Mm. think like kung fu panda like think like mm-hmm. like that's that like if you wanted to think of the sound and like i try to just like be kind of like respectful to the regions where these where yeah. these like animals live and i think it just like gives each episode a little flavor and really places us in 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 that perspective so so can uh, you play that yeah <laughs> you learned how to play that. it really I learned how to play it yeah wow. yeah yeah that was a big oh man i would get up and, and drag it over for like, <laughs> wait for one e- like just for one episode you just practiced and learned how to do it yeah i mean it's the kind of thing where if a player would come in here and watch me play this thing and they would be like i like they would <laughs> they would laugh hard um but it sounds but Nilsa, but i i've just figured out a way to i think it sounds amazing and i've gotten pretty good at it and like there are principles from other instruments. Like once you learn like a couple things, um, like if you learn one wind instrument, then boy, are you going to have a much easier time learning all the other? Like I, I right. think in my opinion, right. um, as someone who plays wind instruments poorly. Uh, but, you know, with the kind of thing with the Gujang, I can understand the principles of it a lot easier because I play the guitar. And there's n- almost nothing similar between the two besides the fact that you have to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the time, the picking technique is kind of the hardest thing. Um, I just I just don't worry so much about how I'm supposed to be playing this. I like there's a cello here. I don't know how to play the cello, but I play it on my scores and <laughs> and it sounds really good. And I figured out my way to get my little thing out of it. And that was um that was a thing for my old boss, this guy named Nathan Barr, who I worked for for a bunch of years. And he uh, is famous for having this large musical instrument collection. So I'm like I'm 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 taking after after him in a way, but with my own little spin on it. But he plays a ton of stuff and would just play on all of his scores. And it really gave it like you could hear him in the music. And that's that's, I think, what I try to do as well. Now, so you're doing this and you said you do about 20 minutes in a week. Is that composing and practicing and recording? Yeah. All in one week. Yeah. 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 It'll be a lot of it'll be a, a it'll be like mostly composing in, in like the kind of thing where so the every episode starts with a big kind of action adventure sequence and that's that's where like okay this whatever instrument for the episode it doesn't have to be everywhere but it does have to be here Mm -hmm. uh and then you know moments where they're just in everyday life then it's less important that you know you're you're localized to india you know Mm -hmm. for the for the for the tiger and so i'll spend like the first few days just on this big sequence and just like playing things in and trying things out and trying to find sounds Mm -hmm. and then once that's in place it's a lot easier and i'll just just write really just kind of 
write orchestrally, play guitar and things when I can. Yeah. So I try to keep it as live as I can. I'll hire a, like at, I think at the end of the season, I'll like hire a soloist to come in and help play on top of like mm. a violinist, a cellist, whatever makes more sense. I'm just wondering, cause you said you didn't go to school uh, for mm-hmm. this orchestral writing. I could see being more difficult if you don't oh, have yeah. some tra- like, you know, classical training. How did Big you, time. how'd you learn all of that? Oh my God, I'll tell you. And if anybody's listening and, and is scared about learning how to write orchestrally, this is the secret. And this is told to me by this guy named Bill Ross, who is like one of the greatest living composers on the planet, I think. Um, no, I think I I almost think it's objective. Uh, look him up. <laughs> Bill Ross. Uh, he So he um, is a famous orchestrator and an incredible man and works with like Liza Minnelli and John Williams and is like, and is truly like, like best of the best. And I remember back when I was an assistant, I was all insecure about my writing and was like, not like was having a really hard time. Like I was trying to learn, but like truthfully, when I got my job as a composer's assistant, I didn't know the, like, I didn't know how to read music. Like I, I didn't mm. know, like, I like barely knew the notes on the piano. But I wanted to learn real bad, and I, I like I really cared about it, and and I think that it was a big chip on my shoulder I had for a long time not being classically trained, and I uh, was in this seminar with Bill Ross, and he was just giving it at the studio that I was working at. Like I was not in the seminar, like I was like essentially working the projector, like okay. like the like the truly <laughs> that's I was a great thing to be doing, <laughs> essentially like running the board. And um, it was he was giving kind of like a little composing masterclass to this um, conducting seminar. One of the things that he said, and it changed my life, is that like, okay, he was like, all you guys have to study. And I, and these are people that I was like, everyone in this room, I was like, wow, you guys are so good. I was like, how, how right. am I ever going to? Oh, yeah. And he was like, here's how you do it. He was like, I looked at the USC and no offense to like, and USC is great. Like, that's of awesome. Yeah. Um, but he was like, I looked at the the master's degree requirements for USC and and I laugh because that's like you should be doing that like in a week. It was like it was, it was like write a like a five minute piece. It was like that's two days of work, like barely. And he was like, all right, so all of you need to learn. All of you can get this education on your own. All of you don't need to pay eighty thousand dollars to go to these schools. Even though again, networks that you get there very right. important. That right. all that alone. Open a score. Open something that you love. Don't open Beethoven for the love of God. Like you have no emotional connection to Beethoven probably it probably means nothing to you and this is just like the everyday right someone who is you know they like dance music and they're kind of interested in the orchestra um find something that you love find the physical score to it and it's and you can find it online if you look hard enough you right. might have to spend 50 bucks for a book and find not only the score that you love and the music that you care about but find the exact moment in that piece of music where you have some sort of reaction that you know that that find some sort of moment that matters to you a way that a chord is moving a way that like these instruments are fitting together and he's like what you do is you look at that exact moment and you just rip it apart you absolutely destroy just those and it could be a bar two seconds Mm -hmm. um you take out a note card and you look at this and you're like all right what's happening in this bar that made me want to cry um okay the violins are moving up Interesting. Like you just kind of observe what you can and you don't worry about the notes. The mo- the important thing is that you don't try to play it or you don't worry about the notes. You just worry about structurally what's happening. Okay. Okay. The melody, violin one, violin two. Interesting. Okay. What's oh, okay. The harp is decorating. And I don't know. I just remember when I was first opening big 
conductor scores, it's really scary. It's like there's yeah. it looks like there's so much happening. It like it's 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 very scary to open up a, oh, yeah. a score for the first and time. And you have like instruments transposing, not even the same exactly, key. Exactly, exactly, uh-huh. exactly. It's it, and it's like for someone who's doing it for the first time, and you know, it's uh, it's 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 it can be really daunting and intimidating, and really make you just like, oh, I'll just stick to beats, and not even like explore this other side of like what I could maybe what I could maybe make. But if you actually break it down, if you actually go into like separate it out into, okay, the brass and the low strings are doing the chords. That's one thing. And then the melody, the flute, the violins, the oboe, all of them are doing the exact same thing. Oh, weird. If you break it down like that and just use a pencil and stop being so precious with it, you're like, oh, like this page that's full of instruments, top to bottom three things are happening actually like only there's only three things actually happening on the page and what if i just do those three things and just try it out and just and and if you just do that enough for a long enough time and if you have that on a note card if you just structurally break it down over time you're gonna have a box of note cards that's you you know what i mean a box of note cards of note cards that's a distillation of of what resonates with you and what you like and yeah. so if you're just working and you pick out a note card and you're like, all right, let me use this, mm-hmm. then it's, you're going to have your own sound. Like you have, you'll literally have a box of note cards. That's what you sound like. Yeah. Um, in my opinion. And it helps um, to develop your own voice too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was intimidating at first, but I would just spend a while, you know, on my nights. So I would just come back and just like rip apart scores and, and just like try to figure it out. And listen, I've got a ton to learn. I've got a ton to learn. Um, but uh, boy, I would be amazed at the stuff that I'm writing. Um, yeah. like my two, like two years ago. Really? Oh my goodness. Kyle. Yeah. That's incredible. And you know what I love about what you just said is that he said, find something that you resonate with because yeah. there are so many yeah. things of like scores you need to study as a composer and you'll have mm-hmm. Haydn and Beethoven and I'm sure there's Shostakovich in there. There's all sorts yeah. of things. And I'm a complete classical nerd. So I eat that mm-hmm. stuff up. I love it. Absolutely. But... If you do that, then it seems like there's a huge barrier for a lot of people Absolutely. that don't have that kind of background. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea that he's saying you just need to find what resonates with you and study it and find out why it resonates with no, you. No, I, I, 100%. And, and I think if you have the background, it's like that's that's so incredible. Like that's yeah. so amazing that you can be inside of this music and love it and, and it and it means something to you. Uh, but because I, you have a connection to it, but if there's no connection, exactly. that does you absolutely exactly. no good. Absolutely yeah. no good. Yeah. If you're studying what you think you're supposed to be studying because you read it on a website of on Watch Mojo and it was like the top 10 like cool orchestral scores right. of like, and you're like, oh wow, you're going to open the score, you're going to start at bar one and then by, by bar three, you're going to be asleep. Yeah, um, It's true because you have and you will, And you won't have learned anything. Right. Truly. But it, let's say, you, you like Star Wars, you can go and buy the Star Wars scores yeah. and just get get something that you like, get it in right. front of you, get your hands on it, mark it up with a, use a pencil because you want to be able to erase, but <laughs> mark it up. Or make a photocopy and then just... Or, or make a photocopy even better because yeah. <laughs> those books are expensive. That's true. Yes, they are very expensive. <laughs> I love it. And I know that you have made it kind of your own mission to break down other barriers for people of color. Do you want to explain a little bit about what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think for me, I think a lot of it comes from being someone who didn't, you Mm -hmm. know, like we were pretty broke growing up. Um, I we couldn't do lessons and Mm -hmm. like uh, everything that I learned, it was like by myself, like in a room, like trying to like figure it out and, and just like go little by little. And yeah, I was never brave enough to ask for, for music lessons. And I think a lot of it just came from, 
feeling out of place in mm. in those communities in school. Like, I, I mean, honestly, like the, my sister went to like a performing arts high school because she was a musical theater nerd. And she's actually, she's a very talented uh, comedy writer now. Oh, really? Lives a couple miles from me. So she is doing great. But I remember she was like, oh, you should try out for the Academy. Like you play guitar. And I was yeah. kind of playing guitar. Like I was like a little bit. I was like, I was like, I love Blink-182. Uh, so I was like a little <laughs> bit playing guitar. Back yeah, then. You know, you're saying I do these things a little bit, but I have a feeling you're a lot better than what you're saying. <laughs> I'm just getting this like just a hint about that. That's so funny. Yeah. But how dumb would it sound if I was like, yeah. And so I was kind of shredding when I was eight <laughs> and it was cool. Uh, <laughs> I think, no, I think uh, I, I remember... Being like, I can't, like, I can't go to the school. Like one, uh, those are for the kids who have lessons and yeah. have the opportunity to do it, you know? And uh, I just didn't feel like it was for me. Yeah. And I think I really resonate with the idea that this, especially this this job, um, I mean, the film industry overall, and I think it's getting so much better. Um, and I think it's a lot easier to see yourself if you're like a young Puerto Rican kid from... Hartford and you know and you're just in your like little room trying to figure out how to work your guitar amp um I think it's it, it's it's a lot easier these days to see yourself with a career or see yourself mm -hmm. you know doing something but I, I think like the opportunities in music I think there are so many more opportunities in music than just being I'm an artist or I'm a producer um I think for film composition for years it was everybody looked more or less the same and there was five of them you know okay. and and those are and you know a lot of them really nice guys but i think for me when i'm looking for help um and it's especially happening right now i really try to like i'm looking for an assistant right now uh so so if you know anybody, plug out there uh, <laughs> oh no send your demo reels i'll have your oh, email no. address <laughs> oh, no. uh so anyway so i'm looking for help right now and and um, I was trying to figure out a way to make it kind of democratic. Like I didn't want to mm. just go to USC and I didn't go there, but you know, I was, I was trying to figure out how to, how to make it. So anyway, so I put out like a kind of an open call a little bit onto like a trusted platform. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, what I've done so far is that the plan is to just scrub all of more or less the school, the, their name, there like as much as much like background information as i can i'm trying to scrub from the process and just try to focus on and if, you know it's tougher when it's things like an assistant you need some skills but i'm trying to just focus on skills and a little prompt that i that i put in there and hmm. i think like there are ways of making it blind and i know that there are some film studios that do this mm -hmm. my friend uh frank garcia who's a who got me the job at apple for, for the jane show is a huge champion of people of just like taking away all the credits and the names and in the in the school you went to and just focusing on your work which is how we met he like did a panel on this and i thought that was amazing and i reached out um so i try to i try to like when i'm hiring especially then i'm trying to do things blind and 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 be really fair about opportunities and and i don't know man i think it was tough for me to to really feel like this was like a real career that like made sense for me as mm -hmm. a human being and i think I mean, as the years go by, I think people are, uh, there's just like more and more, you know, brown people can work, you know, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. just like, I, I mean, I guess I should actually say it, but it's amazing. And, and I'm just trying to hire as fairly as I can. And, and I've, you know, listen, I've got bias, of course, that I'm, that I'm 
mm-hmm. trying to actively avoid. It's just it's just hard when you're the only person in a room that kind of looks. Yeah. And and listen, like look at me. I'm I'm freaking. I'm I'm pretty white passing. Like I'm not like. <laughs> but I, but even me, like I I like I I don't know. I I just I'm just trying to make people feel like they can mm-hmm. they belong in a room and that it's okay that they maybe. They don't know how to read music um, because their parents couldn't afford to give them lessons or like send right. them to like a fancy school that had the time to teach them or maybe their their music program in school wasn't that great. Again, all three mine. And um, yeah, it's like as if you care about it a lot, mm-hmm. if you like if, if it matters to you, then it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if it matters to you and you want to do this, then, oh, you're going to be fine. But you got to like just work a little bit. Yeah. You just sit for a while. Yeah. Well, you were able to get an assistant job without being able to really read music as well as you wanted. <laughs> that was a secret. <laughs> oh, was it? Oh, see, that's what I was going to ask. Like, how that was did a you? Secret <laughs> that just didn't come up. <laughs> um. Well, I don't know. With an assistant, yeah, like you don't, you you should not hire an assistant based on their music. Um, okay. I don't. In fact, it's like it's kind of a bad look when an assistant is like really. I mean, this is kind of like this. I mean, okay. Oh, you know what? And. This is good to share. Okay. If you're if you're looking to be a composer's assistant, it's oftentimes like a lot of the time. If you want to be a composer's assistant, you want to be a composer most of the time. Right. So you want to be writing. You want to you want opportunities. But when someone's hiring an assistant, they've got the writing taken care of. Like they're good to go. They need someone to take care of the rest so that they can focus on writing. So when an assistant comes in and they're super, here's my music. Here's my music. Like here's how good I can write. Instead of I know logic. Uh, I'm polite. Uh, and yeah. like, I'm a human being and I can look you in the eye and not talk you off about pizzicato, like before I, <laughs> you know, tell you where I'm from or ask you a question and how you are, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like it's so much more important to be a human being than to be able to write good music when you're looking mm. yeah, for, for an assistant. when you're trying to be, mm-hmm. yeah, when you're looking for an assistant. Right. So my music like never came up. I think like two years into me working for him, he was like, oh, what does your music sound like? And I kind of like. This is so funny. I like, <laughs> he was like, oh, I was like, oh, I should like, I'm kind of interested to hear your stuff because I think I was going for something and I needed like a recommendation from him. And I was like, okay. And I remember I was like, oh yeah, I'll send you something. And I went home and I like wrote, oh. I, like, <laughs> I went home and I like, I went home and I like went in my room and I like literally wrote a demo that I promise sounded like a nightmare. Like it was truly <laughs> like, was not very good. And I remember, and I sent it to him in the next day, <laughs> next day. He was like, oh, I listen to your thing. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> With that tone, that tone of you're like, oh, oh dude, great. it was, it was amazing. Like I, and I mean, back then I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, cool. I worked really hard. Man, that's right. It was good. No, that, poof. no, I don't think, I don't think it was very good. <laughs> judging on, judging on like the stuff that I was writing two years after that, which was two mm-hmm. like two years ago for me, I'm like, ah, there's no way that was that was all that hot but yeah you know it's like it's it's a process and the stuff you make when you're first starting out is not even close to like what you've got in you right. you know what i mean most well, of the time expected because yeah. as experience comes along you get better normal and better. normal normal but it's yeah. it's hard not to compare you know right. it's really hard to to remember that yeah well i think it's great what you're doing trying to break down some barriers so we can have different people in all aspects of yeah of the film and just and the, the little music. ways yeah. yeah and just like like just in my own sphere trying to hire right and look at everybody you know I, yeah. I i just think it's and i i'm excited to be in a position where you know yeah i can build on that if i can um right. but just in my little ways i just try to put myself in in their shoes because yeah. i was not that long ago you know right 
Well, congratulations on getting to where the point where you can have an assistant and you can, you know, you're the lead on these Thanks jobs. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much. We That's just ex- got here. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> I hope it keeps going for, for decades to come oh, for you. God, me too. Yeah. Your <sighs> room's going to be full of instruments by the time you retire. You're not going to have oh, space dude. to move around. Oh my God. I'm about to flip this entire room 90 degrees and <laughs> I'm going to lose it. Oh, oh I hate it. I really don't want oh to do my it. Goodness. Carl, uh, you are amazing. It has been so fun to talk with you. As we finish up, um, do you have any last minute advice for new musicians? You've been saying many, many things, but do you have anything <laughs> that we haven't covered that you want young musicians or aspiring musicians to know? Oh man. Uh, I mean, let's, it's, it's just going to be in the same vein. Uh, relax. It's like, it's going to be okay. You're going to have a great career. If you care about it, it will come. If you're good, it'll, and obviously you need to get to a point, like you need to get to a minimum and that takes like a lot of effort, but, um, I've never in my life, in my entire like composing career, I've never gotten a job through like a job application like everything came from being in the community kind of like knowing people putting myself out there like going to events and things like that and i think i think uh that information like that kind of tidbit is is a lot more publicly available for people now like i think people are hip to the idea that they should show up to like little networking events now but i don't know i think it's there's so much pressure in music in general and in this career and it's it's a really uh it's a really scary career to pick and yeah. a lot of folks like myself included you take on a lot of debt to do it and i studied economics like i took on a lot of debt that will in no way be relevant to <laughs> my career at all but but that being said it it's stressful but you have to live your life too you know what i mean right. and i i think like everybody who's up to, up for this job could probably do a good job but it's who's easy to work with who's kind of like relaxed who makes you feel kind of secure like that Mm -hmm. that like oh okay we're in good hands and it's probably the guy who's just like watched a lot of movies and it's just (laughs) like it's probably it's it's just or it's probably just the person that can just hang and and just like talk about uh life and relationships and and not i promise you like you're gonna be so much more successful if you if you talk about something that isn't music, you know what I mean? Like if, if like you, if you're in a job interview and music is the last thing you talk about, you've done it right. Like truly, it's just like, you got to relax. You got to watch movies. You got to like, you got to live life to inform your music and like the things that you want to make. And sure you can obsess at being like the best piano player, but then like you're going to show up to an interview or you're going to meet somebody and all you're going to have to talk about is, the ones and twos, you know what I mean? Like, all you got is like the black and white keys. And, you know, that's really useful. It's really useful to know your stuff. But usually people are like, oh, man, the succession finale was so crazy. Like, what do you think about that? And like, then I you don't know. I was practicing. <laughs> <laughs> you are practicing. It's true. Anyway, I don't know. I, I, I just think it's just be a human being and, yeah. and, and, and like listen and, and don't be so focused on how can this help me and how can this advance my career you just got to like live a little life yeah you know and i think it makes you i and ironically i think it makes you a lot more competitive you know being well-rounded yeah be a human being be a human being yeah i'm very very (laughs) passionate about that that's true well kyle rodriguez you are amazing it has been so fun to hear your stories and to chat with you and to learn about your process and see your instruments and your whole setup there so uh, thank you so much for being here it's just been such a joy to have you here yeah thank you christine thank you so much it's amazing 
Thank you for joining us today on the Musicians vs. the World podcast in our conversation with composer, producer, and songwriter Kyle Rodriguez. If you'd like to learn more about Kyle and his work, I will have links to his website, kylerodriguezmusic.com, along with links to some of his latest projects in our show notes on our website, frostedlens.com slash musicians versus the world. Musicians vs. the World is a production of Frosted Lens Entertainment in conjunction with Miss Sound Music. It is hosted and edited by me, Christine Smith, and our producer today is Russ Wilkes. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any future conversations. You can also find a video version of this interview on our Musicians vs. the World YouTube channel. If you have any questions for us, topics you'd like to hear about, or any helpful advice for other musicians you'd like to share, be sure to reach out on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, or Facebook, or send us an email at info at Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. <laughs>